0: this podcast is proudly produced and presented by the zoomer podcast network home of great podcasts like Marilyn lightstone reads idea city on the air and the garden show the following is a sponsored
1: program zoomer radio and mz media incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors
2: people ask me like when do people get divorced so you know some Sometimes it's a seven-year itch, sometimes it's even earlier than that, sometimes there's a midlife crisis or empty nesters, now you are seeing more and more people who are over 50, over 55 who say, you know, I no longer want to remain in an unhappy marriage. And so it's kind of a new category for people going through a divorce.
1: Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll discuss how to make your bedroom a sanctuary of peace. We'll learn about the phenomenon of gray divorce. We'll find out about the foods that'll help you sleep. And lastly, we'll hear how to maintain healthy relationships during a pandemic. But first, a
0: little bit of business. Talking dirty. Brought to you by Ultramedic Adjustable Lifestyle Beds. Ultramatic's new antimicrobial mattress is the only mattress in Canada with two levels of protection against viruses and germs. Practice safe sleep. This has been me, Talking Dirty. The antimicrobial mattress. Learn more at ultramatic.ca. Then try it in Ontario's safest mattress store. At Lawrence and Bathurst. Ultramatic. Elevate your sleep.
1: Adarsha nurtured the rise of Ultramatic the iconic Canadian brand of adjustable beds and maker of delightful wellness products. He received his bachelor's degree in engineering at Cornell University, graduating magna cum laude in 1999. After graduation, Adarsh joined the Monitor Group, a Cambridge-based strategy consulting company. He worked for them in Toronto, New York, and Mumbai on various corporate strategy, market entry, and merger and acquisition projects. He is a proud Torontonian, having lived here for over 30 years, albeit with a few adventurous years in New York and in between. He's the father of two mischievous girls and a caregiver to his happy, healthy, and wine loving parents. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? I'm really great. Thank you. So I don't know about you, but like I'm verging on an empty nest. My kids are at school, which means, you know, the house is taking on a different tone. You know, I'm still working from home a bit. My wife is as well. And we're realizing that the bedroom really has to be that space where we can find peace. Are you finding that with a lot of your, your customers?
3: Absolutely. You know, and you know, in my case, my kids are heading back to school. Yeah, We've got the stress of whether they're going to be coming back home yeah. anytime with yeah. this closures. Even within the business, we have staff who may not be able to come into work. So Lots of moving pieces and sleep plays a huge role in keeping the stress levels down.
1: Right. And, you know, obviously, you know, you've been on the show a few times and we've covered, you know, the biggie, which is the mattress. And, and, you know, thinking about what kind of mattress is right for you to sleep on and, you know, why you might want a harder mattress or a softer one. But there are more elements to getting a good night's sleep than just the mattress, right?
3: Absolutely. It's actually all about the bedroom. And your bedroom should be a sanctuary of peace and relaxation. So there's lots of little uh, components which you can do and, and make changes in your bedroom to make that haven come to life.
1: Okay. So let's start with some of the other aspects of the bedroom. And you can sort of walk us through and maybe identify the things that, you know, we may not be aware of, but why they're important to the good night's sleep. And, you know, obviously, you know, if you're thinking about mattress, you're also thinking about pillows. Yep.
3: Absolutely, and be 100% right. They should be looked at as a combination. Pillows are critical to good sleep. A mattress is great for your body and your spine, and a pillow is effectively a mattress for your head. Yes, because it affects the way your neck aligns with your spine, and finding the right pillow can you know, alleviate strain on your neck, alleviate strain on your on your back, uh, and reduce headaches. And truly improve your sleep.
1: I've, I find my experience is, you know, like if I'm away, if I'm, you know, not many of us are going away anymore, but if you're at a cottage or you're sleeping in a, in a different bed, it's usually, you know, mattresses or mattresses, but it's the pillow that will dictate whether or not I'm going to get a good night's sleep because it's usually so different from the pillow I have at home. And I, do you think that people find that as well, that like it's the pillow that makes the difference in terms of getting the good night's sleep?
3: It really does. You, know, you can have the best mattress in the world. Yeah. but if you don't have the right pillow, exactly. you will really suffer. And vice versa as well. You know, I know a lot of people that travel around with their with a pillow yeah. when they go on holiday and just to get that extra benefit when they're on holiday. It can help.
1: How come it's so difficult to find the right pillow? Like it's not an easy task, right? Like it's so personal.
3: Yes. And I think what happens is that our bodies just change over time. Yeah. You know. Our weight changes, how we hold stress on our back and our shoulder changes. And so the pillow that you need for your head naturally has to change as well. Because I think that's where we find the pressure points develop very quickly with any kind of micro change in our body.
1: Okay. So are you saying that we should consider getting a different kind of pillow as we get older? Every
3: few years, absolutely. You should look and reevaluate what kind of pillow that you need. In general, a good pillow should last you two years, and that's the amount of time that a good pillow will work for your body in that particular stage in your life. And and typically our our bodies change every two years. In addition, a pillow tends to accumulate a, a lot of moisture from your body, dead skin from your body. So from a health and hygiene standpoint, it's a great time to change your pillow as well at roughly every two years. Yeah, you
1: know, if if you're like a drooler or something, right? Like the interior starts to degrade if you you know, if you don't swap it out, right? Just because of the pressure of having your head and the oils from your hair and, you know, if you sweat at night, you know, even with the pillowcase, you're still you know, the pillows have a shelf life, don't they?
3: Absolutely. And you know what? You might actually find that your body changes sooner than than every two years. Yeah. So you don't actually necessarily have to go out and get a, a new pillow if, if that happens. One of the benefits of adjustable beds is that you can make these slight adjustments to your neck position to accommodate for these changes. And, and we actually at Ultramatic, we have an adjustable bed with what we call our pillow technology. So that allows you to make these small changes to the position of your neck so you can increase or decrease the support it gives your neck.
1: Okay. I know we've discussed sort of technology improving for uh, mattresses and, you know, we have to sort of consider that in terms of how we're buying the mattress. When we're buying pillows, what are the considerations that we should be turning our mind to?
3: Yeah, there are a lot of different pillows out there on the market. And, uh, you know, there are different thicknesses, they are different shapes, different fillings inside of them, right? and lately, uh, different scents as well, like lavender and chamomile and peppermint. So with all these choices out there, it's, it's really tough to find the right pillow. I totally get that.
1: So let's start with where you left off, which is the different fragrances. Are those natural fragrances? Like, How are they getting the smell in there? They're not literally putting lavender in the pillow, are they?
3: No, they're extracting the essential oils from lavender or chamomile or whatever it is and infusing that into the material. Typically, it's a foam material. Okay. Uh, You'll find this less so with fiber or feather or down pillows. Right. But you can infuse the scents into the fabric as
1: well. Okay. So if I were to buy a lavender pillow today, how long could I reasonably expect it to smell like lavender?
3: I would say about six months is the life of that. But um, you can get one brand of pillow which um, provides you with a refresher spray. I was going to say, okay. As that scent reduces, you can refresh
1: the pillow. Okay. And for those who aren't regular listeners to the show, who don't understand, you know, the essential oils, lavender and chamomile aid in sleep because the, you know, it's key to relaxation and, and it sort of evokes sort of physical responses just from being in proximity to the smell. Okay, so you mentioned feather and foam. What are some of the pros and cons of, of those types of fillings for somebody who's looking for a pillow?
3: Yes, uh, you know, I don't know when you go to these uh, when you go to a hotel, you see these uh, really lofty, fluffy feathers. Yeah, and you kind of you feel like you're in a luxurious bed setting. Yeah. Well, I think that's the the image that we've been given, but I believe that some of the best pillows today are actually made of special foams, gels, and latex. And uh, feather and down pillows don't necessarily provide the right support for your neck through the whole, the whole night's sleep.
1: So your first piece of advice would be to, to focus more on the, on the modern fill of foam or, or gel or, or latex. Okay, so what else should people be looking for in a pillow?
3: You also want to be looking at how that pillow surface reduces the absorption of body heat. Okay, One of the major reasons why people wake up in the middle of the night, and we've spoken about this before, is that they get too hot in bed, Yep, and particularly on the surface of your face. So you want to find uh, a pillow which keeps the surface temperature of the pillow neutral, and you can achieve that with gels. There are some pillows which have a layer of pure gel on the top, mm-hmm. or even with pillows which are infused with graphite, which is in a great conductor of heat and draws away the heat from the surface.
1: With those sorts of technologies, how long can we use those pillows before those technologies sort of degrade?
3: And they're actually very durable and, and they last for quite some time. So for the life of the pillow, they will continue working in an exactly the same way.
1: Okay. Are we ready to move on? Have we covered pillows?
3: Two more things that I'd like to mention. Sure. The right pillow will also help you to keep your airways open and allow you to breathe easier. So, you know, a lot of people wake up from their partner snoring or even, you know, in in the winter months, we get congested very easily. Mm -hmm. Well, the right pillow will hold your neck and airways in the right position to allow you to breathe easier.
1: Okay. And what was the other point you wanted to mention about pillows? The price point.
3: When you go and go shopping for a good pillow, it's hard to understand exactly how much you should pay for a good pillow. Right. And, And a good pillow in my opinion, will cost somewhere between $100 and $250. Oh,
1: wow. Okay.
3: And it's a little bit higher than what people expected or expect. But I believe that spending that extra money on the right pillow could be the best thing that you did for your head or your loved one's head because it can have a major effect on your sleep quality. It can truly prevent tossing and turning. It can prevent overheating and can prevent uh, snoring. So the longer you can give yourself that uninterrupted sleep, the better your sleep quality will be.
1: That makes good sense. All right, so we've covered pillows. Let's move on to what we cover ourselves with. Are you a duvet or are you a blanket guy?
3: I'm a duvet guy. Yeah, me uh, as well. So that's primarily driven by my wife and her uh, fashion taste. Okay. All right. Yeah. You see, your duvet is something that can have a beautiful, calming effect. On your bedroom, it's not just about comfort, but it's also about how your bedroom looks.
1: Of course, yeah.
3: And and how your bedroom looks has a subconscious effect on your sleep. It can give you that feeling of peace and calmness that you need to have before you go to bed.
1: Right. Unless you're in the bedroom for other purposes, in which case, you know, we're talking about the silk sheets and the, and the mirror on the ceiling, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you know, some people have a totally different idea of what the bedroom's for. You know, it isn't all necessarily about sleep. So, so what should we be looking for in, in a cover in the bed, other than obviously something that is aesthetically pleasing?
3: Well, I, I highly recommend a duvet and a duvet cover, over which is a, a two-piece combo, yep. rather than a, a one-piece comforter. Okay, and and the reason for that is that both are can be visually very pleasing, and you can get beautiful designs in in both options. You can actually get different fills inside both options as well. Yep, for example, synthetic fibers, down, silk, or even wool.
1: We have a summer duvet and a winter duvet, and as it gets colder, we'll put the heavier one on. And I find with the cover, particularly we have a dog, it's easier to keep clean if you have a cover that you can wash and clean, presuming it's machine washable, etc. But I agree with you on that.
3: You've got it. you got it. That's the reason why we have. we also go with a duvet and a duvet cover. And, uh, you know, it just gives you that flexibility to change the weight of the blanket as the seasons change.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people are old school. Like, the other reason I like the duvet is because it's not tucked in, right? Like, it gives you a little more latitude to sort of move around. You know, my mom, for example, she still likes her hospital corners. And you can't do that with a duvet. You need a blanket for that.
3: Yeah, yep, yep. Everyone's got a different style of how they like their bed. And, you know, you can... Decorative pillows are a big way to, to jazz up your bed as well, make it pleasing. For you to dive in at the end of the night
1: okay are there any sort of fabrics or anything that you would you know recommend or or even keep away from in terms of covers
3: fabrics there's a wide variety Tencel is an incredible fabric mm-hmm. you can use this get this in sheets as well as in your in a duvet cover and it's a natural material that is very soft And it's naturally antimicrobial as well.
1: Okay. And I I presume it's easy to maintain as well? It's quite, it's very durable. Okay. And is there anything you would suggest you might want to keep away from?
3: No. In general, you know, you have, you'd want to stay away from low thread counts, which are less durable. Right. But one, I will highlight one fill inside the duvet that so one should one can look at, and that's wool, natural wool. Oh, okay. Wool is got this incredible insulating properties and temperature regulating properties, which makes it great in the hot months as well as cool months.
1: Well, that is fantastic advice, and unfortunately, that is all the time we have today. Will you come back next month and help us uh, suit out the bedroom? Absolutely, I'm here. That was a darshaw We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss gray divorce on the tonic. Ever wonder if your probiotics are really working for you? To fully benefit from probiotics, you need to ensure they're not destroyed by your stomach acids. Clinical studies prove that enteric coating guarantees safe intestinal delivery of live active probiotic cells. New Roots Herbal offers a variety of enteric coated probiotics formulated to meet your specific needs. Available exclusively at fine health food stores. Find them in the refrigerated section. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. Fine & Associates are family lawyers who dedicate themselves to dealing with separation and divorce matters every day. They specialize in custody, access, child and spousal support, and division of family property. It's their mission to resolve all issues amicably. But, if necessary, they're prepared to go to court and fight strongly on your behalf. Fine & Associates family lawyers are committed to achieving the results that you deserve to help you move forward with your life. If you're going through a separation or divorce, call 416-650-1300 to speak to Lauren Fine for a free initial phone consultation. For more information, visit torontodivorcelaw.com.
0: This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio.
1: Lauren J. Fine, B.A. L.L.B., is a well-known and experienced lawyer in Toronto whose practice is solely dedicated to the area of family and divorce law. He graduated from Osgoode Hall Law School and was called to the bar in 1992. He's the senior managing lawyer at Fine & Associates Professional Corporation, Family and Divorce Lawyers. Lauren's been interviewed on several occasions regarding major family law issues in Ontario, including appearances on global television, CHCH television. He was the resident family and divorce lawyer for the radio program Goldhawk Fights Back on this station, AM740. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you?
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So there's a phenomenon out there that, you know, people may or may not be aware of, and that is this notion of grey divorce. Right. Yeah, and I'm sure you see that in your practice, yeah?
2: Well, nowadays it's becoming more and more common.
1: What is a gray divorce? How would you define it?
2: A grey divorce refers to, I guess, a demographic trend that relates to the separation of older couples who've been married for a long time. Usually it's people over 50, and the term refers to... Essentially, the hair color of these of these people, so it's referred <laughs> to as a great
1: divorce. I suppose it happens a lot more than people care to think about. Yeah, you know, like most people think, like divorce happens in the first few years. You make a mistake, you move on. But these people have been together a while, typically,
0: right?
2: Right. So you know, people ask me, like, when do people get divorced? So, you know, sometimes it's a seven year itch. Yeah. Sometimes it's even earlier than that. Sometimes there's a midlife crisis yep. or empty nesters. Now you're seeing more and more people who are over 50, over 55 who say, you know, I no longer want to remain in an unhappy marriage. And so it's kind of a new category for people going through divorce.
1: What's driving it? Like, w- what are you seeing?
2: Why is it happening? Yeah. Well, there's all kinds of reasons. You know, people, you know, why do people get divorced? You know, usually it's uh, either a communication breakdown or infidelity, financial issues, abuse, physical, emotional. That's the normal basis for people to get divorced. But for a great divorce, it's, there's a number of reasons. I think one reason is people are living longer, right? So, you know, if people are living till their late 70s or 80s, people start thinking, you know, do I want to live with this person, you know, for the next 30 years, you know, 50 they think you know how long am I going to be with this person people start reevaluating their relationships and as I said before you know there's the emptiness issue people stick it out for the kids and they're 55 50 and they say okay enough of this I think another factor is social stigma you know the social stigma surrounding divorce has, has diminished over the years and it's easier for people to accept divorce it's no longer something that's that's uh, embarrassing it's easier for people to meet new partners. They go online and it's it's easy to to hook up again if that's what people want. Also, you know, women are are working more. So women are financially independent. They don't have to stay in a bad marriage. Before, women were very dependent on their husbands. And so they stayed in, in unhappy marriages. That's not necessarily the case anymore.
1: I would think it's not just that women are working more, it's that people are working longer too, right? So, right. So like your life, it's not just you're living longer, but your active years where you're still working and, and doing all sorts of things, like that's been extended as well.
2: Right. That goes to your lifespan. So you're working more, you're living longer, and, and you're I guess people are reevaluating their lives and they no longer have to have to necessarily stay in a bad relationship and they can move on. You know, as I said, another reason for some people blame uh, Cialis and Viagra, right? If, if people are <laughs> able to to move on, and, and uh, there's drugs to help them have new, new partners, and they, exactly. and they then they go for it, then they move on.
1: I guess, you know, if you have a partner who isn't in the same place, right, who's decided, you know, for whatever reason that they're not interested in sex or they're not interested in that aspect of the relationship anymore. I mean, obviously, why, you know, if you are, why would you stay or vice versa? Right. Right. You know,
2: You know, but it's, you know people grow apart. I had a case not too long ago where these people were married for almost 40 years. And the husband just wanted to windsurf, and he was very fit and active, and the wife just wanted to smoke cigarettes and go to bingo. Right. And, you know, they were just, and, you know, after dealing with these people, I realized that really she just wanted more money. And I actually, <laughs> I, she, wanted, she wanted more money to go to bingo, and I helped them reconcile essentially because they didn't dislike each other. They just, they just were growing apart. So, How much money
1: does one need for bingo, Warren? Like,
2: I, I don't know. She was very active. Apparently it was a daily habit. So, you know, they, they grew apart. They were very different, but I don't know if they're still together, but they were. I helped them kind of smooth things over.
1: Good for you. you yeah. Want...
2: You know, sometimes just not worth it. When you're married that long and, you know, they really, they were essentially retired. They didn't have a big pie to divide. Yeah. You know, so it really, uh, and, and you know, I knew the kids too. So, you know, really made sense in that instance to try to make things work. And hopefully it still is working. I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you, you raise a good point with the pie. Like, you know, for a lot of people. You know the economic decision. They may not understand what they're getting into in terms right. of divorce, right? Because, yeah. because for most people, I mean, most Canadians, you know, the, their primary asset is the matrimonial home, and and right. you know, it's not so easy to live in this great city if you had to divide up the equity in one home and now create two households from it. You know, right?
2: Not just that. I don't think people realize as well that. Their houses are, are a main asset, but also their pensions are a main asset. Right. So, you know, you may have a teacher that's been teaching for 30 years, and their pension's worth well over a million dollars, right? And, and all of a sudden, they have to divide that, and their retirement income would substantially decrease, and it, their plans would have to change substantially. So, you know, there's all kinds of financial impact of um, having a great divorce.
1: What else is out there that people may not understand that are implications of a of a great divorce?
2: People may not understand. Well, also, there's, as we said, there's property. So you have to divide your property in the event of a separation. And right. you have to look at all your property, right? You have to, It's you're dividing the difference in the increase in your net worth from the date of marriage to the date of separation. So it's not just cutting it down the middle and say 50-50. It's, it's more than that because there's all kinds of complicated rules. Otherwise, no one would no one need a lawyer. So it, right. can, it can get very complicated. And it's really something that people should, if they are considering going through a separation or divorce, Divorce. They should consult with somebody, a family law uh, individual that is experienced in divorce law, and it, to help them through it because it can get very complicated. it's also you have to plan ahead, right? It's it's because their earnings potential is. Produced.
0: Right, produced. And as we said, the pie is, they're not going to accumulate more assets. Like, it's highly unlikely. Yeah,
1: I, I would have thought, like, the income is the huge issue, right? Like, if you get a divorce in your, in your 30s, you still have most of your career ahead of you, right? Correct. So you, you, you can sort of say to yourself, okay, you know, I'm going to take this financial hit now, right. if that's a factor in your decision. But, hey, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I've got this business, I'm a professional. Right. Or, you know, if you're the person who's earning less, you know, maybe you go back to school and you get a degree and you, you earn more because you're on your own. Right, but when you make that decision in your fifties or sixties, well, that's probably not going to happen, right? Right,
2: and it's, and it's not just income; it's also assets, right? It's highly unlikely you're going to rebuild your estate. Yeah, so you're you're absolutely right. You know, I would also get a financial consultant to you know to look at your circumstances and and to, like a lot of women, you know, it's true that there's a lot of women who really are in the dark about their finances. Their husband may control, maybe the income earner and may control all the assets and liabilities. So so really, women should, if they are considering going through a divorce, you know, learn about their financial circumstances, learn about the assets and liabilities and where everything is and, and what their spouse makes. So they are more informed. So that's very important to recognize.
1: Yeah, I would imagine one aspect that makes it easier is if you're doing a great divorce, you know, child support, you know, becomes less of an issue,
2: right? Well, Charles, usually if they're, you know, the kids are adults, then it's not an issue. Right. But spousal support is an issue, right? spousal right. com- Spousal support can be very difficult because essentially if it's a long-term marriage and it's a, a traditional marriage, then support is indefinite, right? It, lasts, it will last a whole life. So, for instance, a husband would have to pay a, a wife support for the rest of her life, but if the husband's circumstances change, if they, if they have a pension and that's divided, then that's going to impact how much support can be paid. There's a case called Boston in Boston. It's a case dealing with double dipping in that, you know, a spouse can't get a piece of the pension and then expect to get support from that pension as well. Right. So there's all, you know, there's all kinds of uh, important circumstances to consider.
1: All right. If somebody is contemplating a divorce, what other advice would you give them?
2: I would tell them that they should get a family lawyer to guide them through the process, that they should try to negotiate a resolution. You know, very few people want to actually go to court and have a battle at yeah. that age. Uh, at any
1: age, truthfully. At I mean, any
2: age, yeah. Litigation is not fun. So, it's awful. Was, yeah. you know, to try to negotiate, try to mediate. If they're planning on getting remarried, they should have a cohabitation agreement or a marriage contract. There's a case called Kerrigan and Kerrigan Estates where a spouse died unexpectedly unexpectedly early in 57. He had a first wife, and he, didn't, he wasn't divorced from his first wife. He had no separation agreement from his first wife, but he also had a common-law spouse at the same time, and they battled over his estate. Had he had a separation agreement from his first spouse, it would have made things a lot easier for a second relationship. So, you know, there's, there's important things to consider if you have a new relationship to, you know, tie up loose ends and, you know, understand what your finances, what your, you know, everyone's, everyone is going to die. It's a matter of just preparing for it and, and protecting your family.
1: Right. And, you know, I practiced law as a litigator for 20 years and I, and I never touched family law. I don't have the personality for it, but I'm not one of the, you're not a touchy feely guy either, <laughs> but I in particular, I'm not suited for that. But also family law is very unique because it's almost like quicksand. The law changes very rapidly as opposed, right. as opposed to other areas of practice. So, you know, you can find somebody who dabbles in family law, but you really are better off going with somebody who really knows what they're doing and is up on the law because it can make a huge difference to, to the end result. It
2: can make a very big difference. That's, that's all we do. All we do is family law. Uh, you know, Lawyers that dabble on it, you know, they may do real estate, they may do criminal. You really want to have somebody whose focus is purely family law and does it every day. And, uh, you know, I'm not so touchy-feely, you're right, (laughs) I have other lawyers in my office that aren't touchy-feely, but, you know, for me, it's it's a matter of getting uh, good results and and, and negotiating uh, rather than litigating and uh, hopefully the client to make the process as painless as possible.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: You're going to come back next month, right? Whenever you want me. Excellent. That was Lauren Fine. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss foods that support sleep on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit free, and great tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained, natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural liquid greens. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned.
2: You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio.
1: Megan Horsley is a registered holistic nutritionist, blog writer, and recipe developer. She's passionate about helping her clients discover their best selves with a holistic approach to their well being with delicious food, movement, and thoughts. Megan loves witnessing the transformations that unfold, and you can learn more about her at MeganHorsley.com. Welcome back to the show. How are you?
4: I'm good. How are you doing, Jamie?
1: I'm doing well, and you know why I'm doing well, Megan?
4: Why did you have a good sleep?
1: I had a good night's sleep.
4: <laughs> I'm happy for you. I actually did not and so I've been yawning all morning and laughing at myself because of today's topic.
1: <laughs> okay, so today we're today we're going to cover obviously sleep and nutrition because they are interconnected, aren't they?
4: They absolutely are and I wanted to chat about this because we're a lot of us are getting back into a work routine and if you have kids or you are a student yourself or maybe you're a teacher, we're you know, getting back into the back to school routine. Maybe you're going back to the actual physical office instead of your home office working from home. And I think this change in routine can actually affect how how much we're sleeping and if our quality of sleep is actually good. Because let's just say that that extended March break is now over.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And for a lot
4: of us, it's true. Yeah, for sure. So sleep is actually one of the most effective stress management tools that we have. This time of year can be extremely stressful. And now that we've got the pandemic happening too, obviously cortisol levels can be higher. So Unfortunately, there is a vicious cycle between poor sleep and poor diet and that if we eat poorly, we may not be able to sleep well. And if we don't sleep well, we will most likely eat poorly. So that's a fun little cycle that we can experience this Uh, time of year.
1: I I understand why if we don't eat well, we don't sleep well. But why is it that if we don't sleep well, we don't eat well? How does that work?
4: Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Um, If we don't sleep well, we can actually wake up craving more carbs. And typically this is going to be simple carbs, or if you think about it, maybe your your first go-to would be a couple mugs of coffee, right? And yeah. so these are foods that are not necessarily going to give you sustained energy for the day, especially if you've had not the best sleep the night before. Right. So if if we're not getting enough sleep and we are suffering from higher cortisol levels, again, at this time of year, it's common, We can also lose muscle mass. Um, We can store more body fat. We can have an increased appetite, again, coming back to the simple carbs, um, and a slower metabolism, right? And this is all relating back to hormone dysregulation. Mm -hmm. And all of this generally means that we can be dragging our feet um, all day, craving simple carbs for easy energy consumption.
1: My experience is obviously... You know, if you are exercising, uh, you know, sleep is the time when your body repairs itself. So, you know, if you're killing it, you know, lifting weights or whatever it is you're doing, but you're not allowing your body to uh, rest, then you're going to get the aches and pains, which, of course, will make it impossible for you to fall asleep. So you kind of have to get in front of it.
4: You're absolutely right. And and consider it too. Maybe you've been here. If, if you haven't been resting well enough and you have been also pushing yourself in the gym, you can be in a, a constantly inflamed state, right? Your yeah. inflammatory mm-hmm. markers are higher. And overall, you're just feeling not your best.
1: <laughs> right. And, and then what happens is, you know, it can even manifest itself in your gut, right? So, like, you think... That the inflammation is just going to sort of register in your joints and your muscles. But actually, once you start that ball rolling, it can also sort of manifest in being unable to digest your food properly.
4: You're absolutely right. Yeah, you make a great point. So that leads me actually to two main things that we want to consider when we're, when we're looking at our sleep and and food intake. So you brought it up exactly. It's the gut brain axis. So this is basically the connection between our gut and our brain. And there's been a ton of research in more recent years about the connection between our our gut bacteria and our brains. And so basically there is actually communication between our gut and our brain through the vagus nerve and we can make and convert some of our neurotransmitters in our guts if our guts are actually functioning optimally. And so this is extremely important when it comes to our sleep because of melatonin. And melatonin is a neurotransmitter that actually makes us feel sleepy um, or should make us feel sleepy towards the end of the day, right? And so we want to make sure that our gut-brain axis is working optimally. And then, also, our circadian rhythm. So are you're familiar with the circadian rhythm?
1: Yes, but maybe explain it briefly for the listeners.
4: For sure, for sure. So the circadian rhythm uh, refers to the cycle of our cortisol and melatonin throughout the day. So let's say first thing in the morning, typically between 6 and 8 a.m., our cortisol uh, hormone, which is our main stress hormone, is highest, right? And so this is what helps you jump out of bed and you feel awake and alert, Now, this slowly drops off throughout the day. And as it drops off, we have our melatonin slowly rising. And this is, again, what makes us feel sleepy. So we want to make sure that our gut is supported because we can actually make melatonin in our guts. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. And so this is where all those probiotics and prebiotics that you've been saving in your fridge come in handy
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And it had to be good for something.
4: Yeah, it had to be good for something. (laughs) So this is why it's so important that you support your gut, right? So there are foods that you can eat that will support your gut and foods that you can eat that will actually not create a healthy environment for neurotransmitter. Okay. So so
1: where where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the no-nos or the stuff that helps?
4: Let's start stuff that helps. Because okay. I think we already know where a lot of those no-nos are. We've chatted a lot about that with our previous episode, So let's chat about what food you can actually eat that will have a positive impact. Okay. So first things first, when I say tryptophan, you say... Turkey. Exactly. <laughs> Good. We're on a roll here. So yeah. tryptophan is an amino acid that you can typically find in Turkey. So if, again, if you are having uh, a lot of Turkey this time of the year, which is common, you may feel sleepier after your turkey meal, and that is because it contains tryptophan. Tryptophan is part of the melatonin synthesis process. So um, when we eat foods that are high in tryptophan, the tryptophan converts into serotonin, which is our happy neurotransmitter, and that can continue on to convert into melatonin, which is what will make us sleepy. So you can think about it, when you eat turkey, you, you feel happy, and then you feel sleepy. Because...
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: See, I always thought it was the stuffing and the gravy, but it's actually the turkey that, that, that puts <laughs> it's you to sleep. All yeah. about,
4: it's all about the turkey. So turkey, again, is a great source of that. Hazelnuts, mm-hmm. another good source of tryptophan. We also have uh, bananas. So mm-hmm. typically with the bananas, my preference would be if you have them that are, you know, have the ones that are a little more green than, than brown and yellow. Mm-hmm. Nettle. So nettle is an herb, and this is actually really nice um, in a tea format. So you could get it in a tincture, but I would say having it as part of your evening tea routine could be a really nice way to wind down the day. Mm -hmm. We also have green onions, tomatoes, and pomegranate. So these are all good sources to help with your tryptophan, To melatonin conversion
1: what's really interesting is like all those sources are so disparate it's not like they're in the same plant family and in fact like you know turkey is not a plant at all so but it's interesting how varied uh the food is that you can get your tryptophan so like even if you don't dig some of the stuff on the list that we just gave you there's probably options for you that work
4: for sure and i think when like i think everyone knows that one of the main sources of tryptophan is turkey and if you're a plant-based eater then you you have a lot of options which is really nice Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Another great source uh, to help you with your sleep would be to incorporate foods that help with GABA. So GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. And what this means is that it blocks the excitatory neurotransmitters. So if you think about adrenaline, for example, that mm-hmm. would be an excitatory neurotransmitter. It gets you really pumped up, really excited, ready for action. So GABA helps your body to basically tone down these neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. And this is also synthesized in the gut. Right, okay. So always coming back to the gut. And it's made from glutamic acid, um, also known as glutamate. So this is an amino acid that is not essential. So that means that we make it in our bodies. But again, it's important that we have a good environment for it so that it can synthesize GABA. Okay.
1: Now, but there are there are foods that we can have that will assist with this, correct?
4: Exactly. Exactly. So if you're into sprouting, it's your lucky day. <laughs> so if you have sprouted versions of adzuki beans or any other kind of germinating edible beans, this would be a great source of glutamic acid or glutamate. Okay. We have tomatoes again. So again, if you're a tomato lover, very good. If you're looking to improve your sleep, mm-hmm. we have spinach, oats, barley, and wheat. So if you are not celiac, you can have these things. A great source. We have brown and red rice, mm-hmm. mushrooms, and buckwheat, which would be another great gluten-free option.
1: Yes, because buckwheat isn't really a wheat, so it doesn't it doesn't no. have the gluten content of like a, one of the other grains. Yep,
4: exactly. And then, you know, if we look at teas again, because teas are another great way, especially this time of year, to kind of close off the day, we have valerian and peppermint teas. And so these are great sources. Peppermint would be more to relax the body. It's great for digestion. So if you tend toward the more bloated side of uh, digestion, peppermint can help with that. Valerian would be a good source of GABA specifically.
1: Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I know, you know, we didn't lead with it, but we should mention there are some things and it, it seems pretty obvious, but like for those who really haven't turned their minds to it, there's a few things that we should avoid if we're having trouble sleeping. Yeah,
4: definitely. So if you are having poor sleep, I hate to say it, but we do have to cut down the coffee intake. Now you can do that a little gradually. I would say if you're having your coffee before noon, Yep. Then you're generally in the clear if you want to be in bed by ten. So coffee has or caffeine has a half life of about ten hours, which means it's going to stay in the body um, and be active for about ten hours. So have your coffee intake before noon. You should be in the clear. And again, stick to one to two cups. Try not to go beyond that. Again, caffeine will keep you up and it can spike cortisol. Right. So we want to make sure that that cortisol is dropping off throughout the day, mm-hmm. so that the melatonin can rise in the evening. High sugar foods, typically this will cause an energy crash, so we want to avoid the refined foods. Of course, alcohol, alcohol is not great for the gut. We've said that many times on here, but it really is not great for the gut. It can reduce the good bacteria in your gut, so we want to make sure that we have more good bacteria than the bad bacteria. And also foods that impact your digestion overall, right? So, if we look at foods like takeout, for example, or foods that we know for sure can cause digestive uh, disruption, if you think of some foods that you know, oh, yeah, I definitely react to that, Yeah, um, then let's try to avoid those for sure if we're looking to improve sleep.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
4: Thanks so much for having me, Jamie. It's always been a pleasure.
1: That was Megan Horsley. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss maintaining healthy relationships during COVID-19 on The Tonic. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighbourhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This
4: is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio.
1: Montrela Cowan, a licensed therapist, relationship expert, independent clinical social worker, and speaker, has been helping individuals, couples, and families for over 20 years. She's the founder of Affinity Health Affairs, LLC, and a holistic talk therapist and relationship coach trusted for her high-quality service, knowledge, personal care, and passion to help people have healthy relationships and families. Welcome to the show. You're here just in time.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for having me.
1: So, you know, COVID, we're not going to discuss the nitty gritty of COVID because everybody's sick and tired of that. But what Mm -hmm. we're concerned about here on The Tonic is sort of the collateral effects of COVID and how tough it is to sort of interact with people now. So I thought it would be helpful to have you on the show to sort of discuss how can we keep our relationships up during these trying times. You up for
0: that? Oh, yes. Indeed. I think it's a very critical conversation to have these days.
1: Why is having healthy relationships so important?
0: Well, like they say, people, you can't live with them, nor can you live without them, you know. Um, Right now, uh, with our new norm because of COVID-19 and the social distancing and isolation, you know, we really are taking a good look at our relationships. You have, you know, couples who are finding out they actually don't even like each other <laughs> yep. because they're in such close proximity. Yeah, We had no idea how much work and going out every day made a difference in our relationship. I think and it's, then don't uh, forget the children at home.
1: Yeah, no, no. I actually think it's the lack of buffer. You know, like we, we could all have our private space and our private time and that's kind of disappeared yes. with everybody home, Yeah.
0: Yes, that's right. And then don't forget about the little ones or the teenagers or some of the young adults are home from college. And that's also <laughs> yeah. quite challenging to be around parents all the time.
1: You don't need to tell me that. I've got a set of them and they're, and they're driving me nuts.
0: Awesome.
1: Um, I hear you. So why do you think it's so important to communicate?
0: Well, communication is is key, especially you know being in close proximity. And communication can be exchanged in many different ways. Mm-hmm. So we have the verbal, obviously, the verbal communication. And a lot of times, what I'm seeing now currently is a lot of the parents are, can be overbearing, right? You know, if the child is not jumping up and down for joy, or if the you know college student is home and not wanting to like eat dinner together and things like that they're like really like well what's wrong and trying to like process Mm -hmm. and i like to tell my parents for example stop trying to be the therapist right even i don't do that right (laughs) every feeling that the person is, is experiencing we don't have to explore and analyze right and so sometimes in addition to the verbal cues you want to look at body language and things like that sometimes people are telling you stuff without even saying a word. And so I think communication is very important because that is the means in which we understand one another.
1: So what can we do, particularly now during the pandemic, to actually become better and strengthen our relationship skills? What would you recommend?
0: Well, the first thing I would recommend is breathe. (laughs) Jamie, that might sound really simple, but breathing really helps us to be in the present moment because there's so much uncertainty right now. And, you know, anxiety is about, you know, anticipating the worst. Yeah. Now, it can very well go the, uh, the other way, positively, but we anticipate the worst. So when we take a breath, we can't do that for yesterday, nor can we do it for an hour from now. When you take a deep breath, it puts you right here, right now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I
1: do. So uh, That would be
0: my first recommendation. <laughs> that,
1: that's a mindfulness exercise. Okay, so what's step number two?
0: Yes. Another one would, I would say is be grateful. You know, right now, the opposite of gratitude is complaining.
1: Yeah, I'm Obviously, actually world-ranked with complaining. I'm a very good complainer.
0: <laughs> I understand. Like, it's so part of our society, right? We turn on the news. I mean, we're bombarded with a lot of negativity. So it's totally acceptable.
1: I actually have a black belt in complaining. <laughs> So, but I agree with you i think it, I think it's important to take a step back and honestly yes. consider you know despite everything that is going on you know there there's still a lot that we have that we should be grateful for and and you know i yes. i I do agree with you there
0: yes, thank you, and thank you for you know recognizing that, and it's true you know there's so many things like you know the children are doing distance learning right now, so parents are not only having to work but they're also having to become a teacher or a tutor quite strenuous. Everyone is not really good at that, right? It requires this level of patience like none before. You know, I have a 16-year-old, right? And he's doing like algebra, right? Mm-hmm. Tr- trigonometry, okay? Look, I I'm, keep me at writing and doing therapy.
1: Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> These are
0: not things I want to really revisit. So we have to, like, Find the blessings within the storm, and really see—you know what things are good, right? Yeah. The fact that we have access to education, right? The fact that we have teachers willing to still do the work. I mean, there's so many things to be grateful for, and being grateful for one another, right? We don't have to wait until Thanksgiving, for example, to be grateful. We can start to find the the hidden, you know, jewels and gifts. Right, in our current circumstance.
1: Manchala, if somebody's prepared to give me turkey every day, I'm prepared to have Thanksgiving every day.
0: <laughs> You're a foodie like me, Jay. Yeah, I certainly am. <laughs>
1: so yes. so, so after we've paused and, and sort of brought ourselves into the moment and really thought about what yes. we're grateful for, what should we do next?
0: Yes. Well, another biggie, and this actually links to communication as well, but validate each other as far as your feelings and your thoughts and your viewpoints, Right. Oftentimes, you know, you might say, why don't you not feeling good today? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not my job to be like, why not? The sun is shining, right? Mm -hmm. Validating would be like acknowledging that person for how they are. You know, that will go a long way. You know, you can't even argue with that. No, you (laughs) can't. Because I can't, you know, I can't put myself in your shoes in that way. If you're feeling like it's not a hot day, then I need to just be like, okay. So we can practice, like... Letting people be okay where they are, that will go miles, James.
1: So So are you saying, sorry, I want to make sure I understand it. Are you saying it's okay like to acknowledge when, let's say, your partner is, is not having a great day? Or is it more letting them know that you think they're great, even though they're not having a great day?
0: The first one. The so first one. Letting okay. letting them know how they show up is okay. All right. It is when we resist people being how they are. That that's when you run into the nagging and the arguments and things like that because i'm I'm literally trying to force you to see things the way I see them and that's not cool yeah but now you're likely to come around sooner
1: <laughs> oh he's <I was> gonna <laughs> say me
0: eye to eye if I say okay Jamie I truly totally get it
1: oh how many how many days of them being a pain in the butt are you supposed to suffer though <laughs>
0: Well, I want you to test it. I want the listeners to test it. Yeah. And it shouldn't take a day. Okay. It should not. All right. Yeah. And this is a big one I'm working on with parents right now because a lot of the kids, like I said, they're in a funk, right? They, you know, eliminate it. Like they can't, you know, have their social activities with their friends and what have you. And they don't know, you know, some problems online. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, it's torture right now. And so I'm allowing, I'm telling the parents, I'm coaching the parents, like, listen, Like, it's okay. Like, let them be, right? Don't harass them. Don't demand that they express how they're feeling and all that stuff. Like, let me be the therapist, right? Mm -hmm. So when they do that, when they try that out, they always come back and say, oh, you were so right. They came back and they talked to me later and things like that because you're really giving them that space to be. That's validating.
1: My experience with my kids is if I were to ask them a question about how they were feeling head-on, I would never get a real answer. Whereas if you allow, you know, times like family dinners, when you're just kind of sitting yeah. around together, not really focusing on how we're feeling, sometimes you can get yeah. that information. It kind of seeps out, right? That you can, that's you got the, it. that's the living stuff. that's
0: more natural and authentic. Yeah. Yes, yes. So sometimes we don't give our kids that space to just express themselves, right? And that's why we talk about communication being nonverbal as well, because sometimes, you know, just giving that space, giving silence. So many people are uncomfortable with silence. But it's okay. It doesn't mean that something is wrong or that you did something wrong. A lot of times as parents, we internalize our children's behavior that we're unfit somehow. Well,
1: you, you know, know what I mean? I find it's not just with kids, but, you know, some people are, are better at picking up on those nonverbal cues than others, right? Like, Yes, that's true. And what would you suggest to somebody who doesn't come naturally to? Like, how would you improve <laughs> upon that?
0: Well, practice just listening and practicing what I just suggested, the validation. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Because you're going to get so much more from that. Okay. So if you ask your spouse a question and she's just like, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just let that be, you know. Say, okay, got it. You ain't really get anything, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but you just say, got it. And then eventually, you know, she may open up and talk before the dinner's over or what have you. Okay. So that's what I would recommend. Yep.
1: Okay. Anything else on that front? Or you figure if we do those things, we're, we're going to be much better in our relationships?
0: Hey, things are so... It's rough for everyone. It's an adjustment for everyone. I want to also recommend that we be creative and have some fun. Okay.
1: okay. All right. I'm about so, fun. So, Jamie,
0: have you still been keeping up? Mm-hmm. Have you been keeping up with your date nights with your wife? Yes. Oh, wonderful.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to uh, I'm feet. not going to elaborate because we're PG here. But yeah, uh,
0: okay. but, <laughs> but
1: yeah, of course, it's you know, it's actually yeah. become easier because fortunately, uh-huh. my kids, for the most part, are away at school. So their schools okay. have uh, been accepting. So I wouldn't say it's quite okay. an empty nest, but obviously that helps. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Yes. But I agree with you.
2: My, Good for you.
1: My, my experience with the with the pandemic is it's impossible to plan. Like you, you really can't plan yeah. anything. So yeah. it almost forces you to live in the moment, right? Like you can plan yeah. your day, right? You can decide if you're going to go to a restaurant on a patio, for example, if it's open or order in or, or cook a nice dinner that you can manage. Yeah. So I think it's important yes. that we continue to do the things that we enjoyed doing before the pandemic mm. in a micro sense. Does that make sense to you?
0: It does. I love that. Thank you. What a great, you're smart.
1: <laughs> so I've been told. I love yeah, it.
0: Yeah. Great husband, yeah. So I do want to mention also, because we talked about, like, the good stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But there are situations, Jamie, and a lot of couples especially are finding out right now, like I mentioned earlier, they don't like each other. Yeah. So some people are not, you know, happily (laughs) residing together. Yeah. Unfortunately, even in some cases, domestic violence is going to rise right now because of, you know, the close proximities and what have you. So I do want to say, you know, of course, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But if it is, we got to switch it. OK, so that can look many different ways. But like just being honest and taking a real good look at what you got going on is the first step to confront in that situation. If it's a toxic or unhealthy relationship, that's very important to do.
1: That's very good advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Adar Shah, Lauren Fine, Megan Horsley and Montrella Cowan. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. The September-October issue is available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Next week on the show, we'll discuss prostate health, spicing up your baking, and abstinence. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week.
3: Please consult
2: a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.